Hi, and welcome to Double Bill. I am Brian, somewhere they'll find it, the end of the rainbow. I screwed that up already. Watts, I screwed, I'm Brian, I screwed that up already, Watson Jones. Uh, I'm Mikey Sweetums Postel. And I'm Josh, four chickens and a Coke Humphrey. <laughs> <laughs> and You've been this, sitting on that one. Oh, I've been waiting. Yeah. And this, <laughs> and this is the Double Bill theme song. Double Bill, Double Bill, comparing culture, it's Double Bill, putting two things together, it's Double Bill, it's Double Bill. Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like a hamburger and a bun, like baby ducks and staple guns, record scratch! Double bill, double bill, comparing culture, it's double bill, putting two things together, it's double bill, it's double bill. Which has no nickname. All right, so I'm doing the introductions because I hosted this week and apparently that's our unofficial rule. Yeah, that's my unofficial rule that yeah, I made. Good enough. Totally ad hoc. We need to write down our rules at some point. I think, I think that'll be a well-oiled process. That Josh, can you no draft us up a... I'll draft an agreement for... A... <sighs> thump <laughs> so wow. for this quote-unquote week i chose the muppet movie with blues brothers with the link being cameos and actually one thing i want to talk about before we move into the first film is what exactly is a cameo because as i was watching them the one that brought to my mind immediately was cab calloway because he's obviously a legendary musician blues brothers was certainly my first introduction to him i don't know about you guys but he's not really a cameo because he has an important character that has multiple scenes. Like, he's not just in, in, hi, I'm famous, and then out again. So what exactly constitutes a cameo in these movies before we talk about them at all? I feel like uh, a cameo is more like a person that doesn't have, like, a important part of the narrative, really? I, I what's Pryor's character in the Muppet movie, that feels like, like a cameo to me. That's like the quintessential, he's just there for that one kind of segment, and then... He doesn't appear again. He doesn't, right? No, no. Because, no, but Muppet Movie, I think, has the larger, the larger, is more chock-a-block full of actual cameos. I think a cameo has uh, has two purposes. One, to be the sort of Easter egg, and now we can say these go back 40 years, so people who are like, oh, Easter eggs in Marvel Universe, mm -hmm. you know, exciting. But they also... Like Howard the Duck at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, that to me is a cameo. Pure, mm -hmm. pure cameo. Because it's just a wink at the audience, really. If I can say this also, Sorry. guys, there's going to be a spoiler alert uh, in case you haven't seen any of these movies, in which case... Uh, what? <laughs> how is your cave? Um, all right, so, or uh, X-Men uh, First Class, there was the Wolverine cameo that... that and, and, and does a cameo have to be secret? Is that important? Because it was probably like As, 30, 40 years ago. There's this weird differentiation, too. Like, Wolverine is a character in the X-Men universe. Is that a cameo? Right. Per se? Wait, I don't it know. It almost is by definition. It almost well, is. I, I think cameos are better if they're secret because, to me, I agree a cameo is small. It's mm -hmm. one scene or even just one line just passing by. Excuse me. And if you know that's coming, then it's like, oh, here's the part that Tom Cruise is in Tropic Thunder. Right, As opposed right. to, holy crap, that was, guys, that, that was Wolverine. 
Well, in Tropic Thunder. You blink and you miss it. Getting, getting, not even that, but more of a, he's not going to be there for very long. Well, I mean, he's going to do like, one awesome thing. When I say thing. blink, I mean, you don't have, if you don't have the recognition in that moment, you're, it doesn't, it's. Okay, yeah, because R- Richard it. Pryor's gone. appearance in Muppet Movie, that's right. a long blink. Uh, who like, is who, solid yeah, minute like, and a half long. But if you don't know who Richard Pryor is, right. like, I mean, he's just the funny guy with the balloons. I know when I first saw that. Muppet movie. I was way too young to catch most of the references and most of the guys. Uh, Edgar Wright. Well, <laughs> Edgar Wright does it too. Like if you look at movies like uh, Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. uh, cameo, uh, hidden cameos. Peter Jackson's in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Um, Is he biting? Kate Blanchett. Uh, Kate. No, Kate Blanchett. But they're both in like hazmat crime scene uniforms. Well, Peter Jackson's the Santa Claus that's. Well, Kate Blanchett's right at the beginning, right? She, yeah, she's, she's, she's like she's wearing she's like, the girlfriend. She's, she's the girlfriend broke up with like him. dumps him. Yeah, you know? and uh, but they they keep those hidden. Or in uh, Arzina, uh, Lucy Lawless is in uh, Fellowship of the Ring. She actually falls down when the big firework dragon comes down. She looks up and she's like, ah, you know. You know, I don't know if this. I don't know if this constitutes a cameo, but they kept it secret as much as possible. Like Johnny Depp is in Tusk. Yes. So, Hmm. but he's sort of integral to the narrative, kind of. That's the thing. Like how I mean, keeping a character secret, a la sorry spoilers seven. Or, you know, like, this this person is in Seven, and then they don't show up until the last 20 minutes. Right. Morgan Freeman. That's right. Uh, yeah. No, I was thinking of Michael Massey. Oh, who reached into their little IMDb nut pouch to pull that one out? Who's the only one here that has one of those? Yeah, he also played the Hulk in the uh, Marvel movie, or the Bruce Banner. How do you look up uh, IMDb on your nuts? Just curious. Well, I have it stapled is it, there. Is it a swipe kind of action? I'm going to have to close my eyes and my ears for this one, aren't I? Oh, God! <laughs> I apologize. I promised I wasn't going to swear. Muppet Movie is a family movie, and there will be no profanity on this. I do not wish to offend anybody, including Counselor Humphrey. You don't. You're fine, Mike. I'm being Jeez. careful, friends. You're okay. Oh my I'm God. Being very but what careful. makes you curse like family? Uh, <laughs> curse like family. I curse like Wolverine. Go fuck yourself. Um, so anyway, uh, in these in, in this instance, um, in Muppet Movie, the uh, cameos are there. Uh, my dad used to explain these to me because this, these are two movies again, which are, which were played on repeat mm-hmm. in uh, Twin Cities Network oh, television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, nauseam. Yeah. Uh, Blues Brothers, I barely remember, but I know that my mom really enjoyed like the rhythm and blues kind of music, and so she liked the the Aretha Franklin, like anything that like anybody with a heart likes Aretha Franklin. Anybody with a heart, you know, or just like. Like, even, like, a soul man, you know? Like, I knew about those kind of things as a kid. Um, I also knew, even as a little, little kid, that I was seeing, uh, before we break off into each of these movies individually, Princess Leia Mm -hmm. in a movie that was not Star Wars. So that was also my first, like, recognition of seeing something... That came out during the trilogy, didn't it? It it came out early, yeah. It's not like, well, after Star Wars she had to eat. Carrie Carrie Fisher was dating uh, Dan Aykroyd at the time, which is Mm. why she got into it. I, another, oh. yeah, and we're not even gonna, we're not <laughs> even gonna, we're not even gonna double bill this, but oh, the flowchart of Hollywood romances would blow your mind. I loved, I love the shit out of movies like, uh, you know, Bla- uh, Blazing Saddles and mm-hmm. Young Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. So a movie came out, and I don't know if you guys have heard it called The Frisco Kid. Yeah, okay, heard of it with Gene Wilder mm-hmm. and Harrison Ford as a gunslinger, 
And that was played, I'm just like, this is great. Even though most people are like, no, it was a pretty terrible movie. I'm like, no, Han Solo and fucking Frankenstein, they're in a movie together. Life is great. But what it did was it made me learn about things like, what is the Torah? What is a, what is a Jewish ceremony of wedding? You know, it just blew my mind. Like, I'm learning all this in this movie, which is supposed to be like an action movie that like appeals to me. And, and these movies, I feel... <laughs> were mildly educational because with Muppet Movie, you go through this list and we'll get to it of all these cameos and then you go to Blues Brothers and it's like now you know the foundation for a lot of the rock and mm -hmm. roll that you're enjoying were all these people. So yeah. well, uh, that, sorry for I just both yeah, you it, just yeah. so did we come you up just with a made my thesis cameo? statement. I'd say uh, so, yeah. So yeah. it's just like so let, let's it's say, not a main character. Yeah, cameo might have an important plot point, but they got one scene Maybe like a callback scene later, but if so, it's just a you know scene watching the guys on television. Oh, it's that guy. Okay. And part two, it, good for enjoyment for the audience enjoyment. Yeah, like definitely. Us. Someone who was like very famous the at the time. Action. Like yeah, I'm looking yeah. at these. I'm looking at these lists that Mikey printed off and things like um, Paul Rubens being in Blues Brothers. I don't think he was famous at that point, so it was just no. an early acting gig for Paul Rubens. That's not a cameo. Yep. Not the way Steve Martin is playing a similar character yeah. in Muppet movie. Who was doing like, at the time? He was doing fucking stadium concerts you know oh like, yeah yeah was that so in terms of the continuity of the muppet movie does where where does that land in the muppet show like trajectory muppet show was over actually muppet was show ended so that he could make a movie that's why jim henson ended the show is it he wanted a new challenge I so think, he made the muppet movie. no i think actually they there was there was actually an in-between period because i think well there was an in-between period but i don't think it was much longer than a normal like start to finish making a movie all right um should we start with? Yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we move on to? Well, Muppet movie. Muppet movie is the older, but do I do? I'd I like. I, I started with the Muppet movie. Yeah, I think we all started. Did you? What order did you watch it? Uh, well, Muppet movie was yeah. streaming. In case you're wondering, right now Muppet movie is streaming on yep. Netflix. So mm -hmm. please enjoy it and yeah. please revisit it because my first instinct is to say rewatching it brought me back a lot. Oh yeah. And I feel like this is the second time... If I, if I want to use, like, um, for the Muppet movie, if I want to use, like, modern terms, it's like the Muppet origin story. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Well, yeah, but it wasn't... Muppet Wolverine origin It was definitely... It could happen. It's way better. Why isn't why isn't that happened yet? It should happen. <laughs> yeah, let's have let's put Sam the Eagle in the next uh, X-Men movie. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why don't we start with Muppet Because movie? Sam It's the older, place. we all watched it first. I know for a fact when I... My first time in life I watched Muppet Movie was easily six or seven, and Blues Brothers was probably freshman year of college. Sure. So it it definitely it brought back a lot more childhood, whereas Blues Brothers brought, like, the awakening adult. So, which helped because I recognized a few of the people in college that I wouldn't have at seven. Anyway, so, so how we'll open with Muppet Movie. How did you know? I mean, okay, so we have clearly uh, a massive list of, of cameos yes. throughout. And... I guess Muppet Movie, like, I, I watched it, and I need to put this out there. There are, there are I feel like, and here's your, here's your scandal. There are people who have been watching, like, Muppet movies, because I was born in 1974, and watching the Muppets and watching the Muppet Movie was, like, new experiences, like, at-the-time experiences. So I didn't necessarily see the subversive quality, necessarily, of the television show. Mm -hmm. All are you know, and, and people nowadays are like mana mana, and you know like hey, and it's like waka waka. I'm like yeah, but at the time I tuned in because Mark Hamill oh, was yeah. going to be on the show, or or um, you know like 
Julie Andrews or Rocky, you know, like Sylvester Sloan was going to be on the show. That was yeah, exciting I mean, stuff. I actually I feel know. I actually feel like the opposite way almost. Like I like when I watch a Muppet movie, I'm like, oh cameo, oh cameo, oh cameo, oh cameo, and I've gotten past that, like to a certain extent because like really that's. The Muppets thrive on cameos. That's where it mm-hmm. originally comes from. But I think that comes from like seeing the movies first. Sure, sure. And like before, like going back and watching the Muppet Show and kind of filling in the banks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, this is what the Muppets were about. They were like a variety show where yeah. everybody, like you know, they had guests on and they did like you know skits and they did like little like mime like acts too and they were experimental and stuff like right. that they were doing little things and inviting people in to work with them and that but like my first experiences of like the Muppets were like you know Muppet Treasure fucking island you know right. when I was a kid right, right. and so it's just like I like the Muppets and the Muppets by themselves so like a distraction like cameos are almost a distraction to a certain <laughs> extent to the Muppets see that's how I feel about the adaption stuff and I love Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol might be my favorite Christmas Carol but at the same time it feels like the Muppets wedged into this pre-existing Story. Sure, sure, sure. We and have like, to tell the story of the ghosts, but we're going to make them giant puppets. Looking at those movies, as opposed like, to just, hey, we're the Muppets. We're going to go do a thing. Go that way. Oh, we went off course for ninety minutes. Well, and like back. Muppet Treasure Island, or say like Muppet, like Christmas Carol. They're also hinged on like a major actor in them, like Michael. It's Michael Caine. Yeah, yes. it's Michael like, Caine. Great in, Scrooge. In uh, yeah, he's a great Scrooge, and Tim Curry's in mm-hmm. Muppet Treasure yep, Island. Yep. So it's just like going back and now. I was like, oh, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Like I might, as a kid, I might not recognize it was as Tim Curry. But the the, the great thing about the Muppets, even anyway. the television series, though, is that a majority of like the of 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 what moved the episodes forward was the stuff that happened backstage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Kermit was like the director and, and, and Scooter was the stage manager, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of that like, hi, where's the like, I don't know, Kermit. And, you know, like, and all of a sudden like, the person will come out and be like, hey, what am I doing? And it's like, wow. Where's George Burns? I yeah. don't know. Let's check his dressing room. What's but, going on in there? But I feel like maybe just on a tiny level, that like sets you up for what could be the chaos of the theater that we got into, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the Muppet movie, which I've been watching the Muppet show as a little kid, and, not, and stuff is flying over my head left mm-hmm. and right. But the Muppet movie is like, it, we, we joked about it. It is Muppet Origins. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, totally, that's what it is. Well, yeah, it's, it's totally set up Muppet as that, Origins. But it's not. It's... They, they pass Big Bird. Big Bird on yeah. his way to New York on, City. And he's yeah, Carol Spidey. And he's mm-hmm. just like, he's like, I'm going to New York City. I love, like, love Fozzie. Yeah, I, I wrote... Going to try and break into public television. Yeah, I actually wrote Big Bird down as one of my cameos. Because <laughs> it totally is. It, it absolutely cameo. is. Like, Because you get this little hint at Big Bird's origin story, too. Like, yeah, right. Big Bird hitchhiked across the goddamn country to so join like, Sesame Street. If Sesame okay. Street did like a... That would be an amazing double bill. Like the, <laughs> like the Sesame Street origin. Origin story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was not, like on the other side of this, where the like all, everybody was coming to what? What's the street on Sesame Street? <laughs> oh my God! Did you really just... Too much bacon vodka. Wow! Too much wow. bacon vodka. Dad. Yeah. Everybody's coming to everybody who lives on Sesame Street is coming to Sesame Street. Wow! I feel embarrassed. Can you tell me how to get? Oh, oh. zoot skip through, man. That's, that's this is a science thing. My brain has compartmentalized Sesame Street into the what the titles of things are, and not that it's an actual. Your brain story. has learned enough big words to get you out of this embarrassing situation. It's too attenuated. See, see. <laughs> now you're using them five dollar words. No, I. This I, is why I got a liberal arts education. I can argue my way out of anything. But I just that's. That's like I don't know. It was like one. Of the, I was like, "This is how it happened." Like as a little kid, as a four, five, six year old kid, I was like, "Okay, yeah, 
Kermit was approached by Dom DeLuise, cameo sure. number one. Who's in, just riding a rowboat through a swamp trying to get to an airport, hmm. apparently, because so that's I wanted the to best point route. This out. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought up Dom DeLuise, because he is why we have the Muppets, according to this story. Hmm. How so? Like, Go he, he inspired Kermit. That's what happened. Oh, it oh was of Dom course. DeLuise. I see. But I also remember reading about how uh, Jim Henson was like doing the, the puppeteering behind the log, submerged in water, so he wasn't seen. And, like, he had to look at the monitor and, like, wearing a wetsuit and, like, a rebreather. I know, right? Crazy. I know. It's just, it's, and then, like, this this was the first time you saw in the bicycle scene uh, a puppet who was, like, supposed to be singing and, like, actively doing things. And when they go to, <laughs> I'm saying this, when they go to the El Slizo bar, and you remember they do their, like, right? Yeah, they do hey! their tap dance thing. Yeah. Waka waka. It's another thing. They, like, had to, like, take time off. So this was a movie that had a huge budget. Uh, did, I'm sorry, did not have a huge budget, but went over budget. The director apparently fought with Jim Henson and was unhappy with it. And there's a lot of, I guess, clashing going on behind the scenes. So this is one of the early... Who directed it? Uh, shit. Because I know John Landis directed Blues Brothers. He did. Um, yeah. But the director was not 100% down with the vision of... And so, you know, if you think about it... There's, I mean, you don't get the sense of it when you're watching the movie, you know. But then you can also see the pure sense of Henson and things like uh, Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. you know, or, or Labyrinth. You know, like these are like these are pure Henson babies. You know, like they're the, where the imagination goes off the rails. You know, but this one, there they said there's a, a definitely a sense of subdued, like like we're trying to make things happen and be practical, mm-hmm. you know, and not and keep the the impractical crazy away. Until the very end, when animal gets to grow large and goes yeah. right, yeah, Beep, the monster animal, right. So um, the cameos, that's an interesting. I've I've always felt I'm taking. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm very. You talk a lot, Mikey. I just, talk a lot. Just, just don't. But, but I'm into it because when when you mentioned it, I was mm-hmm. watching it. and I'm like, what did I not see with my little wee kitty eyes? So I took the liberty of being the nerd who you really need off. to throw those out. <laughs> Um, so there is a grotesque amount of cameos in this one. Oh, yeah. And if you, if anybody's well, seen The it's Muppet... It's the last hurrah of a lot of the 20th century's greatest comics. Well, like, Edgar I'm pretty Bergman. sure, yeah, I'm this certain is, it was Ed, Edgar Bergen last that, thing. Thank you for mentioning which... that, because that was, like, the last thing he did. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, we talk about, like... I, I was watching that with a little sadness. I was like, oh. Well, well you, you could, really you could do man. worse. I mean, Jimmy Stewart's last thing was an American Tale, Five Goes West. Orson Welles' last thing was the Transformers movie. I love American Tale, Five Goes West. I like it, too, but it's still, like, that's kind of an odd note to end your career Ooh, like oh, your swan song is a cartoon dog sheriff but the other thing was that you got like Edgar Bergen who was in his Edgar Bergen tuxedo yeah, judging a beauty contest in Nowheresville mm-hmm. in a goddamn top hat and tux because he knows how class works a, a beauty contest that is is emceed by Elliot Gould as labeled as Compierre <laughs> by the way <laughs> oh this is also the first movie I remember as a kid that like I quoted a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this movie taught me how puns and breaking the fourth wall work. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because I, it's a myth, myth. Yes, <laughs> I think that's that's when I figured out how that joke works, which has to be how when I learned how puns work. I and I have a little kid crush on Carol Kane for some reason. I have a fully grown adult crush on Carol Kane. Right, but my mom would say myth, myth. And you know, like we do the, the deliberate fifth, fifth, fifth. And um, Malin Khan was in there, and she oh. did the same. Uh, and I love how it's like highlighted here. 
the eroticism. She's like, hello. <laughs> she did her Lily von Stupp thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cameo. She can reuse this. She can reuse a bit. But that's brilliant. She's also Madeline Kahn. She She's can do whatever Madeline the hell Kahn. she wants. Yeah. Rhoticism. I've R- never heard that word. Before. That was the hyperlink I was trying to click Rhoticism. on earlier. Rhoticism. Rhoticism. So we I have. I need to learn that word. Okay, so I just want to go through this list because. Is a rhoticism like, you know, from Rhoda? Like you just spout Rhoda's, like Rhoda's dialogue over and over again? No, no. no. I have a buddy I could talk to about that. So we got Edgar Burton as his last. Uh, he was, they were judges. He no, and Charlie that McCarthy. Like a fish. Yeah, apparently. Out of water. We have Milton Burl. Also, I never watched Rhoda, so I can't quote it at Terrible, so. terrible. Uh, Milton Burl. I didn't grow up in the Midwest. Leave me alone. Madman Moody. Uh, the used car salesman who also employed Sweetums, one of my favorite Muppet characters. Yes. Hey, guys, Uncle are you Milton. going to Hollywood? Um, Uncle Milton. Mel Wait, Brooks. Inter- incidentally, quick quick side note. If you haven't seen Milton Burl's appearance on The Muppet Show, um, where he's going back and forth with Statler and Waldorf, watch it, because it's brilliant. Is it YouTubeable? Dis- oh, yeah. They destroy him. Oh, like Jesus. it it's he's doing stand up but they they take him apart systematically. <laughs> yeah, Milton Burrow. That's his whole bit is he gets to be the guy being destroyed by hecklers. Wow. It's terrific. So it, it's um but well, he he's yelling back and forth with them like, "Well, why don't you come down here and be funny? You first. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, hey, I figured out what you're doing wrong. You're standing too close to the audience. How's this? A little farther back. How's this? No farther. How far do you want me to go? You got a car? (laughs) Just when I think this is the worst show ever, something wonderful happens. What's that? It ends. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we've got um, Mel Brooks as Professor Max Craftsman. Right. Whenever Mel Brooks plays a pseudo-Nazi... That was a weird sequence. I'd forgotten about that completely. That and Steve Martin, I didn't get as a kid. Just not at all. And then when I saw him later, I went, oh, they were too good for me to understand this at age six. But Steve Martin did the insolent waiter. Yeah. And I, I just thought he was, was a terrible actor. I didn't realize it was a hilarious joke. Mm-hmm. But it came out at the same time as, like like I said, the, the his stadium appearances, but also we have the jerk that was around the same time. Mm-hmm. And his thing was that he would do these, like, weird flipping characters, you know? And Yeah. Have you ever... Um, I listened to his book on tape, Born Standing Up. My favorite book. It's yeah. fantastic. And, and it, it, he talks about how his whole bit was he'd, he'd stop before the punchline and let the audience catch up and realize that was the punchline. Yeah. Which yeah. explains every delayed laugh I ever saw him get. That's... I. We, yeah. Oh, he's done. Oh, that was funny. When we did Picasso with the Le Panagio, so I'll mention oh. that. You were in Picasso with the Le Panagio? Twice. And yeah, Who were you? I was Elvis, the visitor. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think Schmedeman in college. Oh, Schmedeman. Yeah. <laughs> Dance! So, but... I was pretty you acted in college. <laughs> but you know yeah. how when he wrote his plays, it was very condensed and compartmentalized. But what we did in uh, St. Cloud was we took some of his best monologues. Uh, and mine was... Aspen's latest craze? Lazy Man's Horseshoes. <laughs> Which was an entire monologue about like fleeing the horse and the shoes at the same time, and it's very yeah, it's very Steve Martin. It's very like wait, 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 and people are like <laughs> I'm like yes, and then you have to like yeah, you gotta have to time it out very well. Um, okay, so we've got Mel Brooks, James Coburn, tough guy extraordinaire. Uh. Uh, as the El Slizo Pre- Cafe, previously seen on Double Bill in the Magnificent Seven, he was. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, it's like 
We'll get into that too. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dom DeLuise, Elliot Gould, a Bob Hope. It's Bob just as Hope. an ice cream vendor. Small fact, I actually helped process his death claim with Hartford Life when I was there. Mm-hmm. Sorry if that's, yeah. Bob Hope is dead? Yep. Madeline Spoiler. Kahn. Love Madeline Kahn. Carol mm-hmm. Kane. Early crush, of course. Cloris Leachman as Miss Tracy. That's you. <laughs> Steve Martin as the insolent, I love it, insolent waiter and sarcastic waiter who works the, at the Rolf Hotel. Richard Pryor. I had forgotten that Richard Pryor was like the balloon guy mm-hmm. that gave the balloons. Well, that's that's half the joy of a cameo is yeah. not expecting them. That's why Secret is great because he shows up and you're like, oh, oh. And now we know him about being the cuss guy, the guy that swears and constantly talks mm-hmm. about like Or sets himself. himself on fire while mm-hmm. freebasing. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Not... Family-friendly activities. Uh, Telly Savalas as, yeah, you know, Telly Savalas. And you got Paul Williams as the El Slizo pianist, um, who's of, uh, the uh, one of the writers. Did you skip by Orson Welles? Yeah. But I'm getting to that because he's last. Yeah. Well, he Paul is, Williams did the score from Up in Movies. He so did. He, he did. A, uh, and he was up for an Academy Award. It wasn't just a, a cameo. It was a, a crew cameo. Crew so. cameo. And then you have Orson Welles as Lou Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the same time, he was doing his, ah, the French drunk commercials for... <laughs> They have Mrs. Johnson's peas. No, I'm, well, his drunk commercials that they YouTube Orson Welles drunk, and you oh will get God. his commercials, and they're. But he's he's such a perfect cameo because he shows up in every. If you don't know him, he's just this big, impressive guy with this gray beard. And if you do know him, it's like, oh, of course, he's the one who decides who's famous. Mm-hmm. The guy who made one fantastic movie, and then every single project he ever did after that was destroyed by the people around him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he drips that class of, like, old Hollywood power. Oh, yeah. He does. He, he, does he And he, he, he projects it. It's fantastic. His uh, his high flute and Hollywood contract is still out there. Prepare the standard rich and famous contract. The rich and famous contract. The frog and con- company. Yep. It comes back in uh, the, the Muppets, Meet the Muppets or whatever, the one that came out in 2011. Um I, he was he was I mean the addition of these people you've got gravitas here you know and mm-hmm. like nowadays we get like Tina Fey we get uh, Ray Liotta we get uh, James McAvoy Danny Trejo Danny Trejo playing Danny Trejo yeah and like it's like these are these are these are great yeah but we don't have like the, the dude the, well it's the problem the you, dude. you start with the classics then you run out of classics and yeah. all you have is the really talented modern people which is fine. But that's why the first Muppet movie has a power that the rest don't, because now you're dealing with just the really talented people who are still around. Right. The follow-up As opposed was, to, hey, Bob Hope came back for this. Muppet takes Manhattan, and you have Charles Grodin as yeah. your... Anta- Charles Anta- Grodin as opposed to Charles Durning. Dunning? Durning? Durning. 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 Who ended up going on, and we all know him from uh, Old Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm. And, um, as Pappy O'Daniel. And, oh, go, go, go. You know, for kids... Uh, now I can't remember earlier Coen Brothers movie. For kids? Yeah, I'm the incompetent IMDb at the table. Oh, you know that one with the thing? You know, for kids. The who, gesture who, that, that... Yeah, if I, I would take a drink if there was a something yeah. in my glass. Anyway, thanks because for listening to Double gestures. Bill, guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, so anyway, um, here's here's my, my recap for you. Uh, I think that everybody in their cat should see the Muppet movie. Um, behind the scenes, there was a lot of trouble. Uh, it was only nominated for uh, Best Original Song for The Rainbow Connection. It did not win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody and their, and their sister and their cat knows it. And everybody's got a buddy who yeah. probably knows how to do the their own Kermit impersonation when they sing it at karaoke. But uh, it's it's also full of like a joy, an unrepentant joy. From the moment he gets out of the swamp, meets Fonzie, 
A bear in his natural habitat. Studebaker. Studebaker. We all know it. Yeah. And then, like, and then we get, they get to the church with, uh, oh, here's the script. It's like, it's like super meta. Oh, I love that sequence. Shattering so, the fourth wall. I love that sequence Super so meta. But then they're like, dabba doo dabba dabba doo dabba Can you picture that? Boom, 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 boom. Can you picture that? Yeah. And that's, of course. And I like, I like at the at the end when they're setting up to, you like, shoot their film. It's just a repeat of everything that's happened. Yeah. Yes. A, a crummy photocopy of the yeah. actual movie. Yeah. yeah. And this, this movie taught me about the fourth wall, like. Meta humor, and didn't, also didn't invent it, but did it perfectly. It didn't. It didn't go crazy. Nut. I mean, it focused on the core cast of basically. You've got Kermit Fozzie as a, on a road movie, you know, and yeah. then you've got in apparently pre Eisenhower Highway days where you had to drive across back right. roads all the way across the country. Mm-hmm. And it says take a left on the fork in the road. <laughs> turn, <laughs> left. turn left. I don't believe it. But then, like, like you have little tiny bits, like you know, like that you know about the romance if you've seen the TV show, and they've got like bits of that filtering in. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it's Kermit's story. It's Kermit's journey, you know. And oh, he, yeah. he sings about it at the end. It's just it's. But I mean, they they went back to it in the the new Muppets movie in 2011, which they I realized rewatching the Muppet movie, they totally went back to Gonzo being a toilet magnet as well, because mm-hmm. he was a plumber at yeah, that, and I then he that owned the toilet company. And I went, oh, they remembered. Of course they did. These guys raised on this. But just going back to the idea that it's Kermit's story, but he can't have it without all these other people around. Oh yeah, and all mm-hmm. these other animals of very every species that you can make cute. But, you know, like, it wasn't until, like, the opening movie theater scene, you know, it opens, like, we are seeing this movie of our lives, mm-hmm. and then it closes with it. Yeah, they you introduce the frame right up. The flame is okie-dokie. <laughs> and you've got, you know, Robin is there asking questions, and you've got, uh, you know, Lou Zealand and all the other people are, like, in the audience, but you don't have them, like, always cramming it in to make it a, thi- a two-thick right. movie. Right, yeah, we're not going to give the origin story to every character. Yep, it's Just, not you know, the half dozen that end up being the most popular and then everyone else just just sort of shows up it's it's wonderful and it's it's a perfect i think it's a perfect movie in a way speaking of swedish chef my favorite behind the story yeah shut up my favorite behind the um scene story from the muppet show is um one of the swedish chef's bits is he'll you know do the song and then throw a spatula at the wall or something Mm -hmm. The reason that happened is Frank Oz did just the right arm of him and hated the character, so he was actively trying to sabotage it. (laughs) And it ended up turning into one of his bits. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So he would intentionally screw stuff up, and it just endeared the character. Also trivia, too, I'm old enough to have eaten and survived eating crunchy stars. Oh, God, yeah, I never got those. I always asked for them. I got Mario cereal instead. You're lucky. You're one of the lucky ones. Crunchy yeah, stars were. I hear they weren't as bad as Spider-Man cereal. Spider-Man cereal was pretty vomitous. Man, the '80s made some odd cereal choices. Still glad to survive the '80s and like go through the '90s and have wax political about that. All right. I think we're spent on this. Let's move on to the Blues Brothers. Let's well, take a break. I, I just appreciate I appreciate how many of the great comedians of the 20th century had an appearance in this. Aside from the ones that were up and coming and all the great ones that have been since, we had the classics. We had I, I actually knew a lot of these comedians before I saw the Muppet movie, but that's because as a kid my parents exposed me to a lot of like old time radio yep. best of recordings. Albums. So I knew who, you know, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy were. They were the ventriloquist act from a radio show. Because that makes any sense at all. 
No reaction. <laughs> so I, I knew a lot of these guys, but getting to see them do their thing with a frog puppet is an uncynical joy. And yeah, let's Amen. have it. Amen. Let's have that break. So John Belushi did a lot of cocaine. Let's just lead in with that. And if we are talking about the Blues Brothers... Well, I mean, the America had a massive... As you pour yourself a glass Well, we have to admit that John Belushi made great inroads in America's massive um, oversupply of cocaine in the 70s, which was causing major problems. It was causing major problems. And he did his best to clear the nation's highways of the piles of cocaine. Yeah. For the good of us all, really. He he really literally... So say we all. He was the the Hoover savior, as you could say. Mm -hmm. He was like a Kirby vacuum of cocaine. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back, Rob. Oh, oh my. Oh my, was this on? Yes, anyway, Blues Brothers is a slightly more adult film than Muppet movie. Slightly. Slightly. Released in 1980, Blues Brothers was the first, and it was, it was actually the first uh, Saturday Night Live movie sketch, Saturday Night Live sketch turned into a movie. Interesting enough, I found this out, that while they thought the characters were great, there was no option for the movie to become a movie, so... Dan Aykroyd said, I will write a treatment. And instead Dan of Aykroyd, like, lifelong blues fan. He uh, he had never written a movie treatment, so he had no idea how to like a screenplay, much less mm-hmm. uh, much less any other kind of like play. So they said he provided them with like this like almost three hundred page outline in <laughs> novel format, which charmed them enough. <laughs> to have like other people come or on, frightened them enough to come on board and like cut it to pieces to like give it a screenplay format uh, they're given a budget which clearly was knocked up and since we're talking about it and this was what started off the conversation is that part of the budget went towards uh, a certain member Juliet Jake Blues's uh, insatiable appetite for for what they really? call the cocaine I think Sweet you do Nicaraguan too much cocaine. It's like cocaine embezzlement. All right, so the Blues Brothers... Uh, it was a line item in most 70s movies. Yeah, the Blues Brothers was a movie, again... Scorsese's which was, assistant. Which was put out a lot on Channel 9. And uh, go ahead, Brian, if you want to give the uh, MDB... What's the, what's the screen capture of this movie? Screen capture of this movie... This movie, it's really goddamned weird that it got made. It's one of those movies where just, okay, we're going to make a movie about a blues musician who gets let out of prison. His brother picks him up, and then they have to go on a series of wacky adventures involving every major blues musician they can find and agree to be in a film, or soul musician, anybody remotely connected to the world, and then put on a series of musical numbers, and in the end, they save an orphanage. Now... We had mentioned, we had talked about this briefly, and I, I feel kind of Oh, and incidentally, along the way, they'll wreck uh, the number of cars that a single Ford plant can make in three days. So they had like about 40, they had about 40 squads. Okay. So before the I start, cops are super interested about two musicians. It's I know, so right? Weird. They become America's most wanted from like, what, running a red light and yeah. having some outstanding parking and then, tickets yeah. and, then they just, and then obliterating the police and military force of Illinois. Now, and the Nazi accident. party. And the Nazi party I with the guy Illinois from... Ah, oh, that's what I should have been. I hate Illinois Nazis. The anyway. Guy, the guy from the Burbs. <laughs> he went on to be in the Burbs. Yep. So, uh, it's it's interesting to note that I, I love the fact that you picked these two movies. Personally, I do. Again, it has to do with uh, 
the they city. were both very formative for me. Like yeah. I say, as a child and then as a burgeoning adult of, let's just introduce you to everybody important in this realm. Yeah, there was nothing interesting to me as a little kid, uh, a sci-fi, Star Wars kid about this. But my mom and dad loved the heck out of these movies. They mm-hmm. like supremely the music, and my dad would laugh. As a cop, he thought the incompetence of the cops, the fact that they destroyed the car <laughs> was hilarious. I broke uh, my watch. Well, yeah, we, we laughed about, like, when we loved movies like Bullet and The French Connection, where mm-hmm. he, like, he knew I would not follow any of it except for these extensive car chases. But yeah. as, See, as that... a musical, this is not a musical, really. It's, it's a movie loosely threaded together with musical set pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you look at, like, John Lee Hooker's appearance in it, and it's totally just, we're walking down the street to go somewhere, hey, a guy's playing the guitar. There, there's no plot point to it. Yep. You could literally cut that scene out, and it would be, they drive to a place, and then they're there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, the movie starts off with, like, this weird gravitas, you know, of, like, mm-hmm. this guy getting let out of prison, yeah. and you see, yeah. and, like... And the sequence this, with them, like, walking in tandem... Like you know what I, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. All the steps and everything. The guards marching him. Yeah, out. yeah the guards yeah, marching yeah. him out. I, I thought that was really great, and like it sets mm-hmm. up like it makes the movie seem more serious. Yeah, than and the it fact is. that they're not showing his face yeah. for that entire sequence. Well, it, it and then you have the Frank this, like, Oz. Like it's Frank Oz, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Frank Oz As is the, the, the prison guard. The prison guard who like whatever. takes care of the ho- the hop the, the hooch or whatever the hop. Opera yeah, where they get all their shit back, mm-hmm. and he. And, but they they showed off with the knuckle things. And one of the times that we've seen that before is uh, that movie with uh, Robert Mitchum. Yeah. You know, he's got um, good and evil, and he's got the... Night of the Hunter. Yeah, Night of the yeah. Hunter. Thank you. And he's like, he goes, he goes, tell me, tell you the stories about my my tattoos. Yeah. But the first time we see him, it's Hold like, directly he says, for doing Jake. Right thing. Mm-hmm. And, okay. And, you know, we know this is going to be comedy. I'm sure people in the audiences knew it was going to be, I mean, because it's from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, Shivan. There's no, like, Sisters. Well, if John Belushi did a completely straight, serious movie, no one would know what to do with it. Well, he tried to. He's he's, he's tried to, like... But he knew what to do with it. Well, nobody knew what to do with it, and he failed. But, Mm -hmm. point aside, he meets up with his brother, they have an awkward hug, and he gets his Blues Brothers costume, and he's wearing the same rumpled-ass costume. And when they meet, they start in with a soundtrack. Yeah. uh, She Caught the Katie... Is that, I can't remember the name of the song. Yeah. Something about the Katie. Elwood is like mm-hmm. kind of halfway pronounced. <laughs> so it's it's great, you know, and he's the kvetching asshole brother and, you know, Dan Aykroyd is, you know, as Elwood is like the quiet, stoic one, you know, the, the quiet one. Yeah, the quiet one, the hedonist. The hedonist, yeah, and which I'm thinking, maybe I'm off base here, but now again after we can read stories about it, was probably a little bit more closer to the truth. So... <laughs> You guys have Google at home, and you guys have Wikipedia, and so you probably know that... And if you don't, how are you listening to this podcast? Right. And so you probably un- you probably understand that Mr. Belushi had a bit of a drug problem. Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing was is that they said there was, like, people on set, like caterers and, like, craft services who would, like, locate dudes to find their drugs for them. Well, they're busy Great. guys. Great. But then, like, also there was wranglers... To keep John Belushi from, like, say, getting whacked out of his brain on drugs, breaking into people's houses, and falling asleep on their couches. 
Man, can you imagine like making a movie where you had to spend most of your time like wrangling somebody because they had a drug problem? It just it boggles my mind. It like, boggles my mind. Like how much of the budget and, was spent on how that? Much, and how, like you know, how not diplomatic only... you have to be about that because you can't just pick somebody up and take them back to the set. You have to convince them they want to go back to the set, yeah, or else and, it's and, never going to happen. They're a high on. Coke. And like it's this like sort of the systematic enabling of the person as well. But they they even said yeah. they're like in the budget keeping though. him alive in the. Budget. To do the show, basically, because otherwise, you know, he could be like, you know, in a ditch somewhere. Right. Yeah. This like is not like a fight was. scene that got that went wrong, or like somebody was dorking. Like you know, you you read about Princess Bride and Carrie Elwes is like, I hurt my foot, which is why if you see me talk, my first scene with Buttercup, I'm like lowering myself down with both hands and like sticking my leg out. It's because I couldn't like flex my foot. He goes, or you know, you right. you you read about like fight scenes where. They got injured, you know, yeah. You like know. Viggo Mortensen knocking half a tooth out during Two Towers, sure. Or mm-hmm. what's his name, the brother breaking his, his collarbone, right? Yep. Or what's his name breaking his collarbone during Godfather? Yeah. Just... So, so we've got like a precedent of like movies where we know this happens. In this instance, the the insurance and the budget is not wrapped around both the story or securing rights or or talent. It's, I mean, a, a majority of the budget went towards securing the talent. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, nowadays we know that, like, getting soundtrack rights is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like, fuck, we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, like, the, oh, yeah. that whole soundtrack for crying out loud. It's mm-hmm. like, check, 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 check. Okay, great. But then with this, we've got almost all of the players, James Brown, uh, Ray Charles, you got Shaka Khan as a, you know, in it, as a as a singer in the choir, a soloist. Well, why don't we just list the people? I mean, aside from the people in the band sure, who, are, sure, who sure. are all legit musicians, Cab Calloway, Aretha Franklin, Rain Charles, James Brown, uh, people, 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 Shaka Khan, John Lee Hooker. Uh, yeah, just, who else? Pine Top Perkins, we've got. Perkins, yes. But we've got basically what we've got is the Blues Brothers band, which is in the movie, and mm-hmm. most of these are names that are are yeah. wikiable. But it's you know their their search for their band is comes from uh, Jake's epiphany at the church. You know when the mm-hmm. penguin sends them over to the church, which is what a lot of people know as the scene that the show where the light shines on his face and he's like the band, the band, and then their their mantra backflips down the backflips down the aisle because it's hilarious if a fat guy can do a bunch of backflips, right? And then they all do like the kick leggy, like shaky, spastic kind of dancing, and their mantra is ah, we were on a mission from Gad. You know, and we can't so fail. We're on a mission for God. Yeah, and then Aretha calls him on it though later. She's like, "You ain't gonna Don't blaspheme. blaspheme. Don't yeah. you blaspheme in here? Don't you blaspheme in here?" <laughs> um, but I just i i really want to i i really want to speak to the fact that even if you're not religious, it's there's like there's this energy that goes into it. And they even say, you know, like they walk in, they don't have it. They have their own hero's journey where they they get their mission. Their mission that comes from nowhere. And it's the background is these fantastic songs, you know, and just, and you can't not tap your feet. You can't not like watch this and be like, whoa. Do you think yeah. the people who are doing the musical night numbers, like Ray Charles or mm-hmm. Rita Frank, do they count as cameos based on our definition of it? They're the main people I count as cameos because yeah. it's a moment of, huh, well, let's go into this music shop and to buy instruments because that's an important part of this journey. <laughs> to me, oh, look, actually, it's Ray Charles. Let's like let cameos. him sing a song. Like they don't seem like cameos to me. How so? Why is yeah. that? Because I think like they're set up as set 
set up as tent poles in this film. That's like, a good, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, Ray Charles, like we we have. So that you whole like sequence. your cameos less plot important? I think so. Or? I think I do. Like I definitely think like the Frank Oz one. That's a cameo. Mm. Yep. Steven uh, Spielberg at the Car- end. Uh, Carrie Fisher. Mm, that's on the border with me. Yeah, she's. She's in it too much to be a cameo. She's in, for me. She's in it too much to be a cameo. She's a character. Way Although, can right. I just say, Carrie Fisher with a rocket launcher? That's fun. Hot. John Candy, cameo, right? Kind of. He has a couple of scenes. Paul Rubens, and they, they say Paul this. Paul Rubens, definitely. But, the thing but is, like, I mean, well, he, he wasn't, wasn't, Paul he wasn't Rubens. famous. He wasn't, he wasn't famous, famous at that point. Even John Candy, he was basically on the same level but as Steven Spielberg, as here. Dan Aykroyd or John Belushi. He was, and mind you, this is just the Spielberg is because that makes no sense. Yeah, this no. is just the wiki and John Landis in his own damn movie. Well, right. no, and this is this Crew is just the wiki thing. And so Spielberg hadn't really like he had he made Jaws. Jaws was huge, and but the, had, to cast the director of Jaws as a a what a state employee who takes in money and has two lines you're not going to know that unless you're a huge film film geek at the time but that's part of what makes it a subtle cameo it's all that makes it a subtle cameo because if you don't know who he is he's just a a guy Mm -hmm. and if you do know who he is it's like why did they cast steven spielberg it'd be be like sticking to palma or or you know uh or peter jackson as the santa who stabs nick angel in the hand yeah so anyway, so, like Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, I don't really consider them cameos. Like Twiggy is definition. A, Twiggy is a definite cameo. Twiggy, and she even was Hot like lady at gas station for no. She reason. was even yeah. beyond her prime at that point. She was no longer considered. But now she's like seeing Claudia Schiffer, or whatever in Love Actually, you know, or like seeing a supermodel or Elle McPherson, yeah. and yeah, you just it's random as hell. Oh hey, she's still alive. Yeah. Oh. So look, if, um, that, if that wasn't what I thought every time, I'd feel bad about saying it. But you know, it's it's one thing if like Cab Calloway walked in, like shook their hands, said, "Good to see you back." Mm-hmm. But Cab Calloway is like dressed yeah, as a he, blues brother. He definitely doesn't he's feel clearly like a the guy. He's, he's clearly the guy who they they emulated the style off of. He's drinking whiskey with them, mm-hmm. tells them the situation. They he, get up and they he go. He played them all. Like their childhood was. Uh, the penguin put the religion in them, and he put the love of music. Yeah, that, so, that's their backstory. Yep. It's Cab Calloway plus none equals Blues Brothers. So we've now established that this movie is is not necessarily cameos. It has cameos, but it also has like yeah those tentpole figures. Depending on where you draw your cameo, like. because this is not again a pure musical. I don't know. I don't know what uh, there needs to be a term for somebody who's between a cameo and a like main character, but I don't know what it is. Mammy supporting mameo. character, supporting character, perhaps. best supporting cameo, best supporting cameo. Man, um, they give it a lot of Oscars these days. Because you know, like we were talking about beforehand, is that it's it's not necessarily the uh, in a musical. The, the music is there as incidental pieces to propel a story, but it can either be a rock opera, operacious, where everything goes from one end to the other, all sung. It can be like, hey, how are you doing? Good. When I take you out tonight with me. And you're like, okay. And there's nothing in it that oh, like... Oh, man, that would have ruined that movie so fast. Well, it? but there's nothing in it except for we talked about the scene where they go to the diner and they order the four fried chickens uh, and the piece of white toast... Piece of white toast. Plain white toast. Dry, dry toast. toast. Dry toast. And she comes and back, bitches toast. about him, and he's like, I want to go with the Blues Brothers. And she goes, now you better think about your decision. You better think about it. Boom, boom. You better think, think, 
thing if I want to do to me. Yeah, so it's like Aretha. Yeah, so it's Aretha. Goddess. And that's like that's like the purest musical number in it. Everything else is like they go to, and I guess kind of Ray Charles when they go to the shop mm-hmm. because it's like you don't have any outside this is a, dancing. This is a terrible keyboard. Well, I can play it. But why don't you do that? And they're ripping the tape off it, and they look at each other. But I, I now nowadays now that I have the background of the movie, it's making me wonder. I look at these scenes now. I'm like, how messed up was John Belushi during these dancing, you know, like, <laughs> do it right, uh-huh, do it right, uh-huh. And he's I, like, to be honest, I think his sunglasses disguise a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was watching like, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, I wonder what his eyes look like beneath those things. <laughs> I wonder if his eyes are open beneath those because, things. Because, you know, you look, just like, dancing when you can't sleep. see someone's eyes, oh, yeah. you, you miss a lot of, like, the well, cues The only time off. you see his eyes the entire movie is when he takes them off to look Carrie Fisher in the eyes and say, you know, I love you, don't shoot me. But that's Dan Aykroyd, isn't it? No, Dan Aykroyd's still kneeling in the mud. It's, oh. it's Belushi. Yeah, and, uh, she... that underground. Oh, like, right, right, when they leave portion. at the end. Okay, so... The sewer. Uh, the sewer. So my that kind was... of a sewer. They were kind of under a bridge. I don't know where they. It was were. a drainage pipe. I don't know. They're, the geography in the movie was sort of weird sometimes. Oh, they tracked oh, yeah. all over because that was like the Hollywood Bowl, but it was supposed to be in Chicago. But do, but do, but do, but do. But my magical... dad... when the car fell off, what was it? Wisconsin. It was. Yeah, a Wisconsin I'm telling bridge. you, magical realism. Yeah, no, but I they, think you're yeah. totally right. It was a Milwaukee bridge that was being built, and they had to dangle it. They had to get like air. You know, like <laughs> they're like, we don't know if it's gonna like dangle and like swoop. But they dropped it, and that's how they yeah, that's how they figured it out. Because Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. My, but the other thing is my dad used to tell me is a little, he's like, he goes, drug users wear sunglasses all the time, even indoors. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's like, not that I would know this, but I get, I'm like, oh, they probably look really high, you know, with very... Squinty, like, I don't want to focus on any kind light of light. Light is hard right now. I'm going to just right, skip it. Right. And so it's, Which is hangover also. So you, it is. It, for the purpose of, for legal purposes, we're talking about hangovers. Hangovers. But I was like, it, it takes me a bit out of it nowadays. I'm like, he's probably... A, I'm, I think about him like, if I was working in a show where somebody maybe was drinking before or after during productions, and how much of a hindrance that would be, and how much of a, not just a drag, but like... You are a detriment to this show. Mm. Like, nowadays, they say things like uh, Tom Sizemore. You know, people, they would, they would rip out of productions. Or, like, say, we won't hire this person. Like Lindsay a Lindsay Lohan, Lohan yeah. or, you know, Amanda Bynes. Because they're way too much baggage. They're bringing way too much. Mm-hmm. The case in point, the movie we all love. The movie which is the Academy Award winning movie of forever. Predator. Okay? So, the character... Predator has led to more political careers than... Yale. And pregnancies. So anyway, um, in Predator, the character Billy, the tracker, um, uh, Sonny Landman, uh, Sonny Landman, he got cast, but they had to say, you need to have two bouncers around him, and this is your insurance policy, which they had to write off on to cast him, because he was drunk and a brawler. Mm-hmm. So he would go to bars afterwards. Well, that, that goes back, too. I mean, to kill a mockingbird... Uh, I can't remember the name of the actor now, but the guy who played the racist neighbor was a notorious drunk. Really? Yeah, and wow. he basically he clean he cleaned up for it because he he knew how important it was to play this role. But he I forget what the deal was. He had to make a deal with the director where he had to be sober for two months before the director would hire him. 
Wow. Something like that. Just to demonstrate that he could do it. It's not Joel mm-hmm. Rainey. Uh, no. Joel Rainey did it at the Parks Correct. Yeah, no. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm almost certain it wasn't Joel Rainey. I'm pretty sure I'm talking about the movie. <laughs> he just needed to grow his hair out because he, he's got the Bob Yule face. Yeah. I do know how he got cast, though. He did the train spotting monologue in a southern accent. Really? If Joel Rainey sends us an angry email, I'm forwarding it to you. Just no, Joel Rainey, if we post this, he will like this. <laughs> we love you, Joel. We love you, Joel. Uh, all right, kind so... Mensch Joel is. So here's... That should make up for it. Here's, here's, a, here's some of the things I wrote down because I actually did do some homework. So there's a lot of tropes that happened during this movie that I feel like were probably... I mean, they were probably taking things, but you know now the ripple effect that happened afterwards. So, for example, the final concert in mm-hmm. the uh, the jail cell. So we talk about, like, Folsom Prison concert, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Jailhouse Rock, Progenitor, whatever. But think about what we... Have you guys seen Airheads with uh, Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi, uh, Brian Fraser? Ends the same way in a jail cell, final concert. Like, they got their... This is their comeuppance. They're popular. And I'm like, oh, that has a nod there. Um, the demolished car... You know, we talk about the car that what and oh, the car it just that, falls apart mm, at the fall, end. And they, it, I've reached the end of my journey. Yeah, <laughs> it survived all this time, and so you can say yeah. robots or whatever. But um, God, it's God. Yeah, it's God. Or you got road in the tr- in the world of this movie. I fully believe that yeah. God kept God the car, kept together, car together, and National. then it got to the point they don't need the car anymore. And God said, "All right, entropy kicks back in." <laughs> yeah, the car is Job. Uh, so road trip. <laughs> well, I know that's about as heavy as this show is going to get. So a road trip, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, the car goes through these kind of jumps, Dukes of Hazzardy kind of things. Um, I'm, I, I looked up and I wrote down. I wrote. Goddamn I scribbled man down. with a golden gun goes right. through that. So uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, they go to uh, Chez Paul. Uh, it's a they, it's a fictional restaurant that used to not be a fictional restaurant in Illinois in Chicago. So uh, Ferris Bueller took place in there. Mm-hmm. Also, we can Sausage oh, King of Chicago. Sausage. <laughs> Uh, so we've got the uh, the shape hall, but then also at the end of Ferris Bueller, the car with the 500 extra miles on it that gets dropped down and, you know, car abuse. Because it's not Detroit, it's Chicago and Illinois, so cars get abused there. But my point being is that the Blues Brothers was the progenitor of a lot of these kind of tropes that pop up periodically through movies, including like the, the rando musical acts that seem to appear out of nowhere, including the ones that like makes sense like the you better think and um and you know just like even my favorite is like a song where the lead singers like or the lead people like creep along the scene and i keep bringing back this the scene with jake and elwood creeping to get into their concert venue to escape the cops and the county mounties too many the moocher it's choreographed and it just it for some reason it makes me smile every time because it's like that's such a perfectly douchey mm-hmm. and weird thing in this world they the, created. Yeah, the world music affects the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It affects physics, it, ex- it affects your whatever you're wearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Cab Calloway's reveal in that white tux. That yeah. that's just the smoothest shit. But you know, we I think about things like we 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 have like groups of Thousands of people that go to concerts of the Swifts and the Perrys and the and and the and the Cyruses and who, and the Jonas Brothers, whatever. Well, there's so a lot can, more people now. There's there's five or six. That's a very good point. So now that there's like a thousand more people out there, um, they sing the, the songs they hear on the radio. So this guy, this Cab Calloway, that even in nineteen like seventy or nineteen eighty was quite dated. 
is mm-hmm. singing Heidi, 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 Hi. You know, he's out there and he's like doing the whole like ear, like mm-hmm. call and response. And they're coming back and they're singing back to him. And there's like young people, old people, but it's like a majority of young people there. To yeah, see it's, the mostly, mm-hmm. it's mostly 70s hippies. And that's yeah. fantastic. Oh. I loved it. It's like, and he's still spinning circles and like cajoling the band. And he's like doing the whole, but he's doing his scat. Like, he, hi, 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 uh, between Cab Calloway, I liked I liked the incidentals better than I liked the actual Blues Brothers playing. So I I absolutely adore. And if you don't agree with me, please comment in the comments. But know that ultimately you're wrong, and we'll delete them. Aretha Franklin. We don't get comments. All right, no. Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Could we delete them if we ever got any? Do we have that capability? Aretha Franklin. I want to censor something. Was uh unquestionably one of the best performers for one of her songs that she is very famous for. So it's great to see that. Um, the one that I had the most fun with, because that was just Aretha and then like, you know, the Blues Brothers guitarist getting finally getting his dude to like, I'm going to join up. Or the guy ripping his ripping his hair off to like do this And little, just hair. Yeah, <laughs> hair floofing everywhere. And she's like, go on, go with him. Um, I love that moment because he's totally got this stoic puppy dog of like I'm not gonna go until you yay yeah and then but at Ray Charles music shop is when they all are like oh that's why they're the Blues Brothers band because they all even though they're like he's like clapping along and you're like okay this is it and it, it's goofy the choreography is goofy but it's infectious it's infectious joy what do you think my favorite one is um stand by your man Stand by your. I man. love the rawhide portion <laughs> where John Belushi I, just finds a yes, whip on the I wall. I love it. I don't know why. I just. I was so close. I was so close. I, okay. I don't know okay. why. I don't know. Why. I just like I that just they're in a country I, bar that he kind of just lies to get in there to play and to replace what the country boys, the yep, old country, the country boys, boys. yeah, the country who for boys. some reason show up five hours late. Who so? Yeah, they just show up late for whatever reason. He tries to con mm-hmm. them by pretending that he's in the union or whatever, and then like you know, but everybody likes them anyway. Right. Like they're Before able in to, a bar like, you know, so bad the band has to be put in a cage. Yeah, exactly. And everyone, like, everybody's and throwing Whether people hate them or love them, you will be showered with broken glass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Roadhouse. The, the applause, the derision yeah. is the same Roadhouse. method. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, John Belushi the whip on the Yay. wall. And, <laughs> and the standby your man. Yeah, and and more of the, like, well, let's sing Rawhide. Uh, we're in the middle of Rawhide. Hey, there's a whip on the wall. I guess I could use this for that whip noise. Just... <laughs> And they do a good job. They do a good job of that song. They're, Maybe it's the only song they can sing. They're, they're credited. They're, <laughs> the, the cool thing is that they're all credited on all their songs. So, like, John Belushi was singing his shit. Yeah. Which made me wonder, like, he, you know, he was probably whacked out of his brain on the D-Rugs, but he showed up enough to perform. It's kind of funny, because Dan Aykroyd is just now crazy. A little he's, bit. He's doing his own... But he career. is still crazy about the blues. Oh, yeah. He's I still crazy about it. the blues, and he's yeah, also he had, still crazy about the There was an Elwood blues radio show for a while that I'd pick up occasionally in Virginia. Oh, his House of Blues. Yeah, his House of Blues. Yeah. Yeah, where it's just, oh, I guess Dan Arkroyd's still doing this character to introduce blues songs. All right. Yep. Are we talked out of Blues Brothers? Uh, I think so, since there's no... Yeah, they've uh, got some links, stuff. but I'm... You know, you know, I want to go back to this idea of magical realism, because you kind of threw it out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's just it. something that... that 
um, yeah, I don't know if I've told you about this yet, Mikey. Um, just this moment. It was the moment when the Nazis are chasing them to the edge of the bridge and the car does a backflip over them and then the Nazis right. fall 18 miles to plummet into a car-shaped hole. It feels like magical realism. I don't know magical realism real well. I know it's very popular in Hispanic novelettes, but... Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yes. Is the person are we talking about... Well, we can also look at the times that... Well, magical realism, because I looked up the definition. Yeah, which is more than I did. Is like, you know, magical elements sprinkled into a mostly realistic setting. And I think that explains that sequence in Blues Brothers. Yeah, it explains that sequence. It It explains explains people like bursting into like the church where they're they're, they're in the meeting with the penguin and the penguin just back. Just appears and the door opens and closes itself in the church where people are filled with the spirit and leap 30 feet in the air. Tab Calloway is changing into a white tux from his regular um, reservoir dog's tux. My my vomit out of this is the immortals, Jake and Elwood, who survive not only their apartment getting destroyed, but also they magically avoid all obstacles mm-hmm. in their way. And they're you know, like Teflon. Yeah, and they're Teflon. They get yeah. up, they're like, huh, what was that? I don't know. Let's well, go. That's, the, that's what I love about that moment. They don't even talk about it that much. They just get out. Oh, I'm going to be late for work. Your building just exploded. Just no brush the bricks off. Yeah. And... There's no... Yeah, I, I love it. There's mm-hmm. no question. It's like, they are they are the Highlanders. Yeah. I, I feel like magical blessed. realism is one step beyond that, where that is lucky. Magical realism is, that doesn't happen. Like, a building can explode and you can survive. And it's lucky, and you should probably comment on it. But A building can explode and survive. But magical realism has that... Magical like, realism is like, I stepped off a cliff, but it's okay, because I did a double black flip and landed on the top of another building. Your building can explode and survive. Your building being exploded by a woman with an RPG aiming at your window? That's sort of like... It's so weird. Uh, we haven't quite gotten to the links between the movies yet, but both of them, I rewatching them, I was like, how did this get made? It's so off the wall for an av- average Broadway, Broadway, Hollywood production. Right. Just, okay, and we'll have the love interest be the woman who's shooting at him for the duration of the movie. Yep. Okay. Unless that would be Princess Leia, and that's just some rando yeah. actress. Who are we going to cast in that? Eh, Carrie Fisher. She's the hottest active actress in Hollywood right now, right? All right. She needs cocaine. All right. A lot of cocaine. So tell me about, like, the connections between yeah, the Yeah, connections. Films. All right. Well, I'll, I'll open with mine. Why not? There's the magical realism aspect. There's how many Muppet references are in the Blues Brothers. Like, aside from the fact that Frank Oz um, has a cameo... There's that moment in the mall just before the car barrels through it, which car chase in the mall. Oh, yeah, Probably yeah. my favorite scene. Oh, the, God. the guy is buying, I think it's a Gonzo, and he says, do you have Miss Piggy? Yep. It's a yep. sense of like, that was the last year. That mall chase, by the way. <laughs> a lot of space just, in this mall. Well, a lot of space in this They've mall. They've got everything. But do, 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 do. Pier 1 import, <clears throat> they have a, a Toys R Us and a KB. A KB oh, man, toy KB. lobby. Remember but, KB with the thing? Yeah, but I just like yeah, that when he was yeah. driving through and he goes, oh, hey, look. Pier one. <laughs> yeah. More of the just weird dryness to high stakes car chase. Da, 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 da. Man, there's a lot of pedestrian space in here. Hey, it's a place that sells wicker. As opposed to, quick, you go that way, the cops, and the uh, way out. Oh no, watch out for the people. It's just, wow, I got a lot of space in here. Rocking back and forth as one you zoom potato, around. One potato, two, obstacles. never stood a chance. Yeah. Um, 
So, so weird they're made. What else did I write down? I wrote down, I hate Illinois Nazis, and I can't remember why. I don't remember that sequence from the Muppet movie. Yeah, no, that's... I wrote it down in my links section, though, so I don't know how that connected, but I wrote it down. Um, both of them have credits where the cast sings, which is not a huge link, but there it is. And both of them have these... Blues Brothers is a little more diffuse. In Muppet movie, it's a specific moment, but these weirdly... L legitimate, I don't know, having word failure again, these weirdly honest moments, sincere, weirdly sincere moments. Blues Brothers is very sincere about its religion, which is very uncommon to see in a movie, at least an American movie, that's not about religion. Okay. Where it's just, we've got this moment where we're in church and we're singing an actual gospel song about Jesus, and the, the main characters, although they don't necessarily live Christian lives very well, they're very distinctly Christian. It's it, There's a very Christian undertone to this movie, which is weird for a movie that's not a Christian film. Right. Uh, and Muppet Movie has that very, very patriotic moment where they're just driving across the country and then they have shots of America while they sing America the Beautiful. Just completely sincere. I just love that they, both movies found this moment to say, you know what? This is neat. This thing, which is very easy to be cynical about. And Muppet Movie makes more sense, because their whole shtick is, you know, we can be sincere about stuff and still be funny, and people can like us. That was two years after the bicentennial. I'm sure they had a message to tell. Like, let's, let's ride this one out a little bit further. Mm, could be. But it's also just, you know, it's a bunch of hippies making a puppet movie who, go, who stop to go, you know, America? America's pretty nice. It's got problems, but it's pretty good here. Boy, Which why, is an odd sentiment. To, why, didn't, why didn't you run for office, Brian? I almost ran for mayor last year. Yeah, no, only cost twenty bucks. Yeah, would have gone. I was really busy that summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to figure out and your mayor gang sign first. Now you just need five hundred. I had a platform. Pointer gate. I had a platform for my mayoral run. Uh, end no liquor on Sundays and start no liquor on Fridays. Because of the people, the people you know or have met or have ever heard of who don't drink for religious reasons, are more of them Christian or Muslim? I don't know where you're going. Muslim, the day of holiness is Friday. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I go. I go to my local liquor store, and when I asked them about it, and I was like, "Yeah, you don't want to be open seven days a week, and a bunch of other places do it." And he's like, "We would if Target and he goes and Cub started selling liquor in our neighborhood, we'd be out of business." And I'm like. Really? And they're they're super nice guys. They've been there for like mm -hmm. 50 years. And I'm like, shoot. I didn't even think about that because I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm like seven days a week. Let's do it. He's like, he goes, but if the the stores do it, then like, you know, Walgreens and he goes, we'll be SOL, man, because you don't go to like Phoenix, Arizona or. I just want to say. Get, like you can go to like a gas station and get like booze. Mm -hmm. He goes, you don't need to go to a liquor store to get booze. You can just go anywhere you want to. And I was like, mm -hmm. shoot. And these are all dudes I've seen a million times over ten years, so not a million times. Friends don't let friends patronize their local liquor stores a million times. I just want to say my wall. Yeah, I don't mind. A, I don't mind a break in the week where yeah. you can't buy it. Well, yeah, I would just move the break. They'd still have a break. Just make it Fridays. Just really emphasize how ridiculous it is. Maybe enjoy your Fridays, everybody. I'm the mayor. Maybe like not having them but. open at ten and say let's open at four after like a full work day. Get your business done, and then, you know, I don't know. I think that's it. Anyway, we're not yeah. solving the. World I just want to say that my Walgreens sells non-alcoholic wine and lager that's made by Mad uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, but all of the price tags are in the same spot on the shelf, so it looks like it's made by ADD. 
<laughs> Moving on. So those were my connections. Between my the connections. Films. Just a quick listing. I thought these were both get the band together movies because that's what they are. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what they reminded me of. Like right off the bat, it's like we're getting the Muppets together and we're getting the band back together. And now I have to rewatch some thing. Muppet Show episodes and picture it's they're being run by the Blues Brothers instead of the Muppets. They should have had a cameo on the Muppet Show. That would have been kind of awesome. That would have been mm-hmm. awesome, actually. Yeah, that ended before they got going. Yeah, I know, but that would be a nice uh, confluence, I think. Well, maybe the next Muppet movie. Maybe. I never saw Blues Brothers 2000, did you? I, get, no, no, I, no. I did. I did. And any worth really? it? Like I, I feel it's like the same... Uh, it's been a long time. I think I saw it right when it came out. I mean, John so, Goodman's never been bad, so... But I think it's like the same beats hmm. of the Blues Brothers movie, so it's basically kind of the same, but right. like... with you, a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw in uh, 2004, uh, I went to uh, Ameriprise Financial, had their huge, in San Francisco, uh, at this convention center, they had their huge, like, employee get-together thing that they have every year, and it's amazing the things that happened before, like, the market bubble burst, so I I followed a girl who I was dating, and she's like, she worked the talent show portion of it, and... uh, Part of their night was they had an interview with a celebrity a la Actor Studio, and it was Robert Redford talking about mm-hmm. you know retirement plans. And then for the evening entertainment, they had the Blues Brothers. And it was Dan Aykroyd, the Blues Brothers Band, and uh, James Belushi. <laughs> and at the yeah. end of the night, yeah, and, this week, and like they handed out everybody like these fake plastic Blues Brothers hats and black fake-ass Ray-Bans. So it was a huge crowd. And I just, we were all drinking and hanging out in the back, and at the end of the night, like, James Belushi, they're all sweating, and they put on a great show, and he's like, he goes, man, Ameriprise must love you, because they're paying us a ton of money. And I was like, ooh, daddy gotta get paid, because, ooh. And then we took the Bart back to the hotel. Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi, he was, uh, yeah, and Dan Aykroyd, and they did their whole shtick, dancing, jiggling, kicking legs, soul man, the whole pier. I've never heard a Jim Belushi story that didn't end with him sounding like a gigantic tool. Well, James Belushi, he also, right before that, he was on the actor studio, and they were talking about uh, Jim Belushi rep- retrospective, and he said that he was usually called because he was living in New York with his brother, and he had to go get his brother all the time. They got to hear his mm-hmm. handler. Mm-hmm. And my favorite story was that he goes, I, I had to go and get him, and the bar was closing, and so I show up, and... He is being belligerent, and they're telling him to get him out. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, put my arm around him. And he was just like, get off me. Get off me. All right, let's go. Let's go right now. And he's like, he goes, I'm sitting there looking at, at John Belushi. He'd been in a couple movies. He's on Saturday Live. He's my brother. And he's like holding his fists up. And I'm like, well, this is going to happen now. And he's angry. I can see it. And so he's like, come at me. He's, boom. Punch him right in the face. And he stops, and he goes... John Belushi, he's like looking down. He's like, oh, you never punch an actor in the face? <laughs> Hit me in the ear, man. That, that was, also, that was also an ad lib, by the way. I believe it. Fincher's like, he goes, punch him wherever you want to punch him. And Norton's like, really? He goes, yeah, just do it. <laughs> and so like he was filming, he goes, because, ow, my ear. You, you just punched me in the ear. <laughs> <laughs> right on anyway so let's that's, that's double bill it seems for yeah people. apparently welcome back to sidetrack theater 
It's a nice place to... It's a nice theater to go to. Yeah. They have a nice full house all the time. Yeah, the seats are a little weird. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I had one that just folded the wrong way one day. Yeah. I've, sit, I've sat in ones that don't have a seat at all. I mean, yeah. I just, it just fell apart. A friend of mine bought some theater seats. Like, just... Two at the sidetrack theater? Yeah. Well, I from some movie theater was closing down. I don't know which one. She'd pull them out for parties and they'd be like, she made, that's how you'd watch a movie in her house. Were they uncomfortable? Well, they were wooden, so they weren't comfortable, but they had that, like, you know, ergonomic sway to them. So right. you could sort of settle into them, but you usually need a cushion. I mean, you see those for sale oh. every now and then. Like, right. You know, yeah. somebody selling, like, movie theaters. Yeah, they almost yeah. bought some for the Phoenix Theater. Axeman has them on occasion. They do. They do. Yeah. X-Man does everything on occasion. On occasion. I buy a lot of geocaching stuff there. Really? Yeah. I bought like a foldable shovel. Little and, tools and toys yeah, and stuff like that. containers to hide. Yeah. I can imagine that. You know, Elliott Park, there was a geocache right outside my building, but now they've paid over everything because they're putting down a soccer field? Something. Some kind of field. Soccer's gotten big in America. Yeah. Apparently. Who knew? We live this in concludes times. Sidetrack Theater. We live in different times. All right. We're going to be fun when we're like 60. Anyway, um, I just thought of another link and now I lost it. Maybe I'm already 60. Mikey, do you have anything? Uh, Steve Williams. Stephen Williams was Trooper Mount in the movie. Oh. Uh, uh, Steve Brothers. Williams from Better Off Dead and the X-Files? Actually, as a matter of fact, yeah. And he was also the uh, on 21 Jump Street. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, he was X. He was X on yeah. the X-Files. And he, he had a cameo in Better Off Dead. He did. I really exactly. That's a heart. shame. Somebody Shut threw out a perfectly good white boy. <laughs> That's all I've got. Yeah. That's all we've got? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that I remembered it. Uh, the personal thing, why I chose these two. Aside from being an integral part of some liminal spaces in my life where I was going from one thing to another thing, both of them introduced very well a, a portion of the world. Blues and gospel and soul singers or great comedians from wherever they came from. I don't know if any of these guys were... Bob Hope, anyway, he basically did vaudeville. But from old film and radio and pseudo-vaudeville, if not actual vaudeville, and whatever you call what Mel Brooks does. And just taking that... Somebody sitting down in a room and saying, let's get as many of these people as we can. Let's get them into this movie. Let's make up parts for them if we have to. We'll give them important parts if we've got one. If we don't, we'll make up a scene just to have them show off their stuff for a couple of minutes. Which is just a joyful thing to do. You still see it in a lot of movies. Hot Fuzz you brought up. Mm -hmm. is There had to have been a moment where the guy sat down and said, well, How many people can we get in this? Let's get all of them. Let's get every respected British television actor who's over the age of 55. The Hound! From Game of Thrones, <laughs> the hound is it? Yarp. Be like, no, it's a hound. No, but it's, I mean, I agree because it's like this is a. It's like the Muppet movie is a good gateway drug for anybody who like enjoys comedy or that, drugs or drugs. <laughs> Enjoy um, Rainbow like, Connection. Everybody who's like inundated with like. Uh, so many feelings right now. <laughs> uh, Louis C.K. All these people, but like. It, my uh, my best friend is a uh, is an adjunct professor at both McAllister and uh, McPhail's in jazz studies. He teaches the upright bass. So when he started in high school, he wanted to be like a bassist, like a butt rock bassist. You know, like I'm going to be a metal player. Um, and his uncle was a jazz bassist, and he's like, well, you know, it's good. It's a good idea for you maybe to start to learn fundamentals, like learn things historically moving forward. Mm -hmm. And 
I translated that because I remember, like, I just want to act. I want to be an actor. But, you know, you have to take your stupid classes on classicals and... You, you have know, to know how to project. Yeah, yeah. neoclassicalism. The only person realism. who got away with not doing that is Brando, and I don't know yeah, how he did it. Learn how to scan. Learn how, like, to read read text, you know, because if you can't do it... Again, Brando's the only one who never did that. Yeah, but if you don't know how to read it, if you don't know how to, like, speak the speech, then you're failing. So Unless you're Brando. I have a thing on Brando. Yeah. <laughs> I have a thing on Brando. I mean, I'm going to sell a Taco Bell for like a seven-layer burrito. So anyway, so my point is Or that, the Brando, they call it. Right, the Brandito. So the, young, the youngins don't know what it is, really. But that's my point. It's like when, you, when you're when you a kid, you could have easily been like swayed by whatever. Like like we, I started watching like Eddie Murphy and – but you, you watch those and you're like – Oh, yeah, you're just a sponge at that point. At that you're point, you're a sponge, anything. you know, or like the kids in ninth grade are like, oh, I'm listening to Dirty like Andrew Lace Clay. But the but the real benefit, the real benefit you can find, is like listening to like Doctor Demento, right? You listen to like you know songs like Shaving Cream, Wet Dream in the Gulf Stream, um, all these really terrible old like quirky novelty songs, or you start like hearing like the old stand-up acts that were like five minutes on you know between Benny Goodman Orchestra, you know, like you learn about like uh, Ralph Cramden's like weird dancing and like you're getting uh, a brief influx not only from like the old school like you get you get Bergman you know Edgar Bergen but you get like all the way and they bridge the gap there you got Steve Martin and, and Richard Pryor in the same mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. Mil- Uncle Milty Milton Burl's in it Uncle Milty yeah but then you've got like you've yeah. got you know like Madeline Kahn who was well, just it's two definitely years one of, it's definitely one of the Six Degrees Nexus movies yeah. how, how do I link Edward Norton to somebody to Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. Well, you need some movie where some modern guy was in the movie with Lawrence Olivier, and you got it. Yeah, and now we also have, as a capstone on Muppet Movie, we've got uh, Orson Welles. We've got Omicron itself. <laughs> Most people don't go to to the Transformers movie when they talk about his distinct roles. But, you but know. they should. Touch well, they don't evil. start there. Touch of Evil can... Suck it. Um, so anyway, but then with Magnificent Ambersons apparently did. Yeah, with uh, with Blues Brothers, you got like like you said, who who's gonna like get into these movies and this music? Mm-hmm. You know, Cab Calloway. Like it had all found its fine. People were like listening to disco and bullshit, and these guys are like no. Let's let's talk about Cab yeah. Calloway. And, let's and talk let's about these guys. Let's just play one of his songs and let it settle in long enough for the audience to go. You know, this is really good. Even they were saying in the in the wiki that like the the most popular person in the cast at the time was Ray Charles. He was the only one that had like station time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Aretha did? They're like, no, she'd been like gone, out of public consciousness. But you put her in this movie as a chef bitching out uh Elwood and Jake and then has like terrible dialogue, but then comes in and like, You bet oh it just I wanna go home and listen to it again. You gotta think, think, think about what's loving to do to me. Oh, and that's gonna get listeners. I'm sure it will. All right. <laughs> yeah. Should we take a break? We should take a break and wrap her up, and then talk about what we're doing next. Double bill. I think we should. Let's let's just let's, let's just that. take a break and think about the joy that went into making a film. Like we did this. wrong. And we're back. And we're back. And the next one, I believe, goes to you, Josh, it's right? It's me. 
Yes. Have you made your decision, or did you wait to the last possible second? I waited until the last possible second. Neat. In fact, I spent the majority of the last half an hour trying to define. <laughs> figure yeah, out that, what that's I'm why I do. couldn't look you in the eyes because I kept seeing just movie titles scrolling across no, your pupils. No, 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 no. Well, like you know, a month and a half ago, when we were thinking about what the actual <laughs> what mine was going to be, because <laughs> we were talking about oh. We should do, well, I was talking about it. I should do Tusk and the Human Centipede. That's what I should do. Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. Uh, we also talked about uh, Steven Soderbergh. I feel Soderbergh. like I just dodged a cannonball. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I, I was also talking about the Steven Soderbergh cut of um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where yeah. Where he cuts out the sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that would have been fun. Black and white, right? Yeah, it's in black. He does it in black and white. And, of course, I've got it into my head now that I want to, like, let you, Mikey, pick the other half of it. All right. And, like, also in, like, this, like, I kind of wanted to do Nightbreed, the new director's cut. I watched it recently. It's kind of interesting. I I think that choice is is tough. But I don't know if I'm going to do that. I think I came up with what I'm going to do because I really want to. I'm thinking about something I want to share with the world. Mm -hmm. Nightbreed director's cut's pretty good. It but, is pretty good. But I want, I want to share with the world that I, something that I think a lot of people that doesn't get as much play, and that's an Indian film called Doom, which is an action movie. Is this the one with the is big thing that comes together and like shoots or? bullets? Or... Oh, I mean, it's like a detective You're story. You're thinking of Voltron? No, no, no. There's like this weird thing. You're talking about Doom. Because Vol- Voltron has a Are you sword. talking about Doom? Like, yeah. Like, like, the Indian on... movie where like they all like, he firms in this big thing of like guns. So not Doom, the thing with no, the no, rock no. where he shoots demons? Maybe we should pair it with Doom. You know, this, this, is, this Doom is about a motorcycle gang that steals money. And the so cop the that's out to get them. Yeah. And the cop is like got like kung fu skills and like in a kick 50. I mean he's definitely skilled yeah. like like in terms of like any action movie star is skilled like but it's like it's is, Indian is it's this awesome pure Bollywood then oh yeah are, there's are def- there, there musical there are musical, numbers there, there are musical excellent numbers. I mean it's fantastic and I love it and the second one is the second one is I think even better than the first one but we'll, we'll watch the first one and I need to watch the third one before we do this too so so what a, how what am we, I supposed to pair with that I I, I, I think it's a motorcycle... The same movie, but I, very drunk. Let's spitball this. It's a motorcycle-themed action movie okay. with musical sequences. Uh, there's a cop. There's a uh, sort of like thief trying to do good good as well. It feels like if I pair Easy Rider with this, which is also my... my <laughs> let's do a classic American cult film with this. Yeah. I gotta say, I've seen Easy Rider once. If I see it a second time, I make it suicidal. From goodness, mind. And if you want to step back from this, there's an easy pair. No, no, no. I've I've got got to buy this. It's Doom and Doom 2, of course. Like both of them together. Why why are these? I like what. Sorry, I love them. I like what Brian Watson Jones is doing. What were you laying down? Doom and Doom. I wasn't laying that down. I think we were, making, we were making fun of you when you decided to put them together. Making fun of me? He's the guy who's like figuring this garbage out. I, the no, do too. But Doom, do I'm not, let me spell it for you. D H O O M. Oh, can we link it oh, with? Oh, don't a, worry, I get it. We link I it with a Doom that. Tree album, I, maybe. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> can we link it to the Doom Tree? <laughs> I'm spitballing here. I have no. Actually, let's pair. Doom I'm not making any of these decisions. Doom. I'm free. Like David Lynch's dude. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Well, that's such a. Wow, that would be such a good pairing with like Jodorowsky's dude. I still think Jodorowsky's dude has a, to go a, with um, the man Lost in La Mancha. Do you think so? Yeah. yeah. Oh, most definitely. Or yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 
Lost in La Mancha, definitely. We have such a long list of potential oh. pairings. It's it's kind of embarrassing is, that we is, haven't got. Is, is we could do one Doom every week, time and permitting. Dune? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how I feel. So we're just we're just basing our Doom pairings again. based on similar titles now. <laughs> no, I don't want to have to like adjust my stupid. <laughs> I feel like adjusting my my Netflix is going to break my heart. I've, got yeah. I've already got my girlfriend cut. sharing my Netflix. This recommendations are getting really schizophrenic. D H O O M is on Netflix streaming. Oh, is good. It? Yes, you'll be able to watch it on Netflix streaming. God damn. So that's no problem there. Motorcycle music, Greece. Uh, <laughs> Wild Hogs. <laughs> oh, oh Lord. No, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I think you should be thinking in the more action movie vein. But there's not a, a not a crap ton of like action movie like motorcycle movies that are out there. To be honest, uh, I'm thinking right Sons of ahead. Anarchy. Well, there's a television show. Yeah, I'm trying find, to like, the best. Yeah, episode. you'd have to. We'd have to. And I've an never, I've never went in there. I've never been a part of it. Um, motorcycle gang fight music. I'll, let me get back to you, and we'll have to. Like, cool as ice. Cool as ice. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Lots are you of things. Feverish? You're feverish. Sure, I'm let's, feverish. Let's just for do a, let's only, just do I need let's some just do vanilla ice. ice. Let's Why see is what... your phone on? Your phone should be off. That's lame. Why well, are you thinking like that? He's breaking house rules in his own house. This is a house rule that we didn't write down. Well, I have to write up everybody that Everybody agreed at the beginning. Did we? Josh Ever since is... my phone went off in a way the recording didn't hear. List of biker films. Josh is drunk oh, off of baking grease. List of biker Vodka. films. <laughs> All right. We're taking bets. This list of biker films, what percentage is porn? Sherlock Jr., Buster Keaton. We're there's, filmed with a world-famous motorcycle, motor- world motorcycle scene. I've says. seen Sherlock Jr. I don't remember a motorcycle. Uh, the Black Rider, Teenage Devil Dolls, The Motorcycle Gay, 1960s, Rebel Without... No, no, no. I was looking at the wrong thing. There's a great scene in uh, Indiana Jones and... And the, the thing Grail. of whatever. The third one. Mm. <laughs> Torque. <laughs> Same year mm-hmm. as the Doom. Torque? Yeah. All right. <laughs> we could do Torque with Tusk since we're apparently going by title. How about Ghost Rider? Yeah, no. Let's do Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. All right. No. Your parent... Okay, wait, wait. Your hold parent... on. No, no, hold on. Hold ow, on. No, no, ow, no, no, ow, no, no, my no. neck. Ghost Rider 2 with Doom 2. I was going to say Doom right. with Ghost Rider for yours and then Ghost Rider 2 with Doom 2 for yours. I don't, I don't want to vomit, guys. I want to keep... Come on, that. we could fully ruin the Doom rest 2, of 2014. You said Doom 2 is better than I like Doom, Doom 2 better. All right, and Doom and... All right, let's do that. Then. Well, Ghost Rider 2 won all those Oscars, didn't it? It did, it did. Uh, I, like, I like this pairing that has come from, a, from like, the... I like the that I can't... Combine t- brain power in this moment. I like that no one can blame me for this. <laughs> I like that I'm I was, I did not pick one of these. Ghost Rider 2. I I barely I I do feel minutes. like you have a disadvantage having seen the first Doom because I think it'll be purer for us having neither I mean I haven't seen either Ghost Rider. I'm trying to think of Doom no. 2 yeah, so, will make more sense so st- without seeing Doom 1. I'm kind of hoping it doesn't and I'm hoping Ghost Rider is completely <laughs> incomprehensible. <laughs> Well, I like that we've all had a conversation prior to this uh, about the Marvel expand, like the Marvel phases, and everything. don't li- don't listen to them. We we never talk unless the microphone's on. And it's just dead silence. The it's funny creepy. the funny thing is that Ghost Rider is such an abortion of a movie series, uh. much like uh, a lot of what DC has put out there. Uh. So I'm just I'm like. Nicholas well, Cage. Basically, anything Nicholas Cage ends up attached to, because he'll just do anything they offer him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dude. National Treasure 1 and 2, 
Well, I mean, if it's comic book related, quietly entertaining. That's why you know that, you know why his last name is Cage. National Treasure right? movies aren't entertaining because they're built that way. Yeah, they're supposed to be entertaining. I, I, that's I was certainly entertained. That's a confection you can like walk by. You're like, oh, it's being offered. I'll have a little bit. Well, I'm just I'm talking about what a giant comic book nerd Nicholas Cage is. I mean, I know you know the story of why his last name is Cage. Yeah. Do you? No. His actual last name, his birth last name was Coppola. Yeah. He's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. He named himself Cage after Luke Cage, man of uh, Iron? Power Man. Power Man. No, he's got a nickname, too. That's what it's no, called. Power Man and Iron Fist. Does Ghost Rider 2 have some ludicrous sequences in it? I bet it does. Well, yeah, it's got him pissing on a fucking, he's pissing awesome. fire, dude. Doom 2 has some incomprehensible sequences that bug the fuck out of me that I think are awesome. All right, so... so. So good, the link good. next time is this. incomprehensible right. sequels. Incomprehensible bullshit. RE motorcycles. I love this. I All right. love it. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Take us out, Brian Watson uh, Jones. There's not a word yet for old friends you just met. Going to get back there someday. That's adorable. I'm do we adorable. have any uh, cross promotion we'd like to do? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. Anna Wagle's awesome. Anna Wiggle is awesome. We never get tired of talking about we her. Know. She just she, got married. She just got May Raid. Yeah, that's right. Congratulations, Anna and Tom. Congratulations, Anna and Tom. And uh, if you've been listening, all 18 of our viewers, uh, <laughs> and you adore the voice of our Doville host. Mark Sweeney. Mark Sweeney probably. Mark Sweeney. Uh, probably Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. So We were lovers in a play once. If you love the music, <laughs> uh, Anna is now off the market. But Anna Wiggle is at AnnaWiggle.com. You don't know that. She could, be, she could have an open relationship with Tom Reed. You don't know. Oh, God. I thought you were going to say their marriage could have already fallen apart. It's been less than a week. <laughs> well, otherwise, she's with uh, Courtney McLean and the Dirty Curls. Courtney's on tour right now via Kickstarter, so she's up, hopefully hmm. being safe. Probably not in Duluth. Um, but yeah, tune in when we uh, review... Oh, God. Why are we doing Doom 2 Doom and, two Ghost, and Ghost, Rider, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah, in... In oh. defense, the best ideas start as jokes. The worst ideas also start as jokes. So we'll see which way this goes. I have a feeling this is going to give one of us, or all three of us, kidney stones. I, I, I am... <laughs> Tune in next time when you'll hear two people screaming in pain and one person distinctly not talking at all. And pouring cranberry juice for the three of us. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill.